everyone. Welcome back to Bubbles and Banter. Happy New Year, by the way. It is, I think, January 3rd. I'm not really sure. I have lost complete track of what day and time it is, even in this new year. But I really enjoyed this episode that you're about to listen to. Joanna is someone I met in a recent online Second City class as we go into. And it was just really fun to have her on. And I didn't, I feel like I didn't properly introduce her. So I think she is just extremely funny and has such a nice, good, inviting, warm personality. And I think you guys would really love her comedy. And apologies if my voice sounds really spastic in the beginning minutes of it. Um, my microphone was like not working. So I had to use my laptop for our interview. And I also had just had a lot of coffee. So I feel like I sounded like I was spazzing out. So I just wanted to preface that. But I really enjoyed this interview with Joanna. Everyone should give her a follow. And as I stated in my last episode before this, I am starting to kind of share some more creative comedic endeavors that I've been working on over the past few years. And I think interviewing friends or people I've met in that world on my podcast is just another way of branching out into that territory and maybe bridging the gap of my fashion and lifestyle content or interview content with this other comedic, more improv or lighthearted content too. So I hope you guys enjoy and thank you for listening. All right. Welcome, Joanna, to the podcast. Thanks for having me. So Joanna and I took a Second City class together. I think it was called um, Content Creation or I forget the exact name of it. Um, we finished it a few weeks ago and I just really liked you for meeting you virtually in the class. And I thought you would be a great guest to have on, especially since my most recent podcast episode was about branching into the comedy world and you're a stand up, you live in Oregon. And I just thought you had a really good presence and I really liked you and I would love to introduce you to my audience. So do you want to give a little background on just what you do, how you got into comedy and We'll get into deeper things, but just sure. a quick, quick synopsis. Well, I'm uh, happy to be here. Thanks for having me. And uh, I've been doing stand-up comedy. I mean, it's hard to say exactly uh, to put a specific time frame on it because, um, you know, I've always enjoyed being in front of people and having a microphone in my hand and that kind of thing. Uh, but I would say four years kind of officially doing stand-up. Uh, and I live in a small town on the Southern Oregon coast. And so there's not a lot of stand up comedy uh, opportunities here. Uh, I've actually only been in a stand up uh, comedy club one time. And that was um, in 2018. I entered this uh, contest for Laffy Taffy. And they were doing this um, chief, laugh- <laughs> chief laugh officer competition. And so you had to submit uh, three Laffy Taffy jokes and then a one minute of stand up. And um, they had, you know, hundreds of submissions and people voted online. And I was one of three uh, finalists. And so they um, it was super cool. Like they flew me and my husband for um, all expense paid trip to L.A. I got to perform at the um, Laugh Factory on Sunset Boulevard. And um, it was super cool, too, because it was like a week before our 15th wedding anniversary. And so uh, we got to have like the super cool all expense paid trip. Uh, we on it, we went to this is kind of a sidebar. Uh, but uh, on the trip, we went to Universal Studios and I saw on the little tram Steve Harvey on his golf cart going from his trailer to the studio and I was like, I love you, Steve Harvey. And no joke, <laughs> he looked back at me and he said, I love you too. And oh my so, God. Uh, <laughs> so it was a pretty, pretty special trip. Uh, so I mostly just do things locally. We don't have a stand up club in town, but I do um, event hosting, any kind of group that wants stand up comedy. I performed at the Eagles Club. Uh, I did a, a show for a group of accountants on tax day. Oh, and, wow. That's uh, awesome. Yeah, they were kind of, they seemed really tired because yeah. it was the last day of tax season. So I think maybe they wanted to just be home resting, but instead they got jokes. That's, I mean, what a good way to end tax season. I think, I think if you're a fun accountant, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And fun accountant is totally um, typical. So that, that makes sense. 
My fiance um, is a CPA and yeah, it's, I can't imagine that career, but I'm glad we have people who can do that because I could not. Well, I am a, uh, I'm kind of a nerd. So um, my kids just got me for Christmas a sweatshirt that says, warning, I may talk about spreadsheets at any time. Oh my God. See, my brain doesn't work that way, but I I respect you for being able to do that. (laughs) Uh, So this year though has been pretty great because, I mean, obviously- uh, 2020, uh, a lot of challenges and suffering and loss. But uh, personally, it's been really cool because it Zoom has kind of opened up this whole world of um, stand-up comedy. And I've really been able to do lots of really fun stuff with shows and uh, classes where I couldn't go to a Second City class, you know, physically. So being able to have everything move online has been just really fun and full of a lot of opportunities. And so that's been exciting and kind of seeing where 2021 goes and what's next. Yeah, I think that's incredible. I did not know the Laffy Taffy story. So that's, I mean, I would, that's so amazing because I've never done something like that. So I think to actually win a contest, it feels so intimidating. Like no one's actually going to see your submission. So that's incredible. Well, um, and I, I don't know, um, I don't know if it was one of those things that big, bigger names didn't know about or, you know, kind of how it happened. But um, I mean, I am kind of Laffy Taffy material. So uh. yeah, that's, that's so cool. I mean, I feel like any opportunity like that can be, you know, a make or break moment. Any, anything in the comedy world or entertainment, you can just have that one opportunity and really break through. So that's incredible. Yeah. And, you know, I was one of three finalists. Uh, somebody else won the $10,000 cash prize. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually, as soon as I saw him perform, I was like, oh, yeah, that guy's going to win. Uh, but it was, you know, still just this amazing opportunity and really fun trip. And so hopefully I'll get to get back there and perform on Sunset Boulevard again someday. Yeah, that's amazing. I actually, um, when I was like Googling and doing some research before we chatted, I saw your on your website, the picture of you with that Laugh Factory background. And I was like, I feel like that's like the official comedian like, stand up picture. So I was like, like, super impressed. Yeah, you know, you have that picture. It's like, that's how you impress people. Yeah, that, that's amazing. I'm very impressed. And I feel like doing that in LA, I feel like would intimidate most people, um, especially I think stand up in general. I wanted to talk to you about stand up because I do a lot of sketch writing or improv, but stand up really intimidates me. So is that what you knew you wanted to do when you started this? Well, the first time I ever did stand up, uh, I was 13 and I was at oh summer God. camp and uh, they announced that there was going to be an open mic time during summer, like the evening first at the summer camp. And my friends were like, oh, you're so funny. You should do it. And so I ditched the recreation time and like was in my cabin writing jokes and probably had like 30 seconds of material. Uh, and then I performed my couple jokes and in the front row was uh, this other teenager who totally heckled me and was like, that's not funny. You're not funny. And I sat down and I said, I am never doing that again. And it was one of those, like, I am making a vow. This is never happening again. Wow. Um, And so I had still done like stuff in front of people and in high school, I was in charge of our pep rallies. And so I would do, um, you know, announcements and games and that kind of a thing. And uh, so, but then as I was kind of approaching 30, and I don't know, I think 30 is kind of one of those numbers where you start to kind of think like, this is my adult life. And is this the life that I want to make? And, you know, that kind of thing. Um, And at that point, I was... um, mostly a stay at home mom and had three kids. And it was like, you know, I don't want to base my life on this vow that I made when I was 13. And I was like, I'm going to try stand up again. Uh, But I'm in this little town that doesn't really have a lot of opportunities for it. So I just started kind of doing, you know, whatever opportunities came up and sort of putting myself out there and doing the, um, you know, a 10 minute set at the sheriff's posse luncheon and the Eagles <laughs> club and, you yeah. know, all these sort of little, um, you know, wherever there's sort of a stage in the corner and, um, you know, and then kind of just seeing where it goes and what happens and mm-hmm. kind of just keep 
riding the wave and getting, you know, the adventure. I love that. So I feel like the first time for me that I do anything, I'm terrified and I think about it for months at a time. That first time you did stand up, did you reach out to a club? Did you show up? Were you were you really nervous or excited? Yeah. So the um, so f- uh, four years ago, summer of 2016, we have a local theater that's um, like a 200 seat theater. And they were doing a fundraiser for the restoration project. It was, you know, a hundred year old theater and didn't have ADA compliant bathrooms and that kind of a thing. And they asked if I wanted to do some, I, I knew the gal that was in charge of it. And I had been doing some hosting of things of, you know, local events and that kind of thing. And she said, would you like to do a stand up set? And I was like, and this was already, I had been wanting to do it and I had been feeling like I need to do this because I need to kind of get over this fear of what people think. And I don't want to base my life on what a 13 year old, you know, version of myself said. Uh, and so she asked me about it and I was like, uh, uh, okay. You know, and then it was, um, I probably had like a month or two to kind of prepare and to write stuff and, um, you know, I have video of it and I look back on it and I'm like, oh, maybe. And it, it was like 15 minutes. And wow. so, I mean, I first, yeah. So my first stand up set was like 15 minutes, which is kind of bonkers for being, uh, you know, new. But, um, yeah, <laughs> of that 15 minutes, like maybe one minute of that would be jokes that I would tell again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that's the process and that's what you do and, you know, how you get better and, and that kind of thing. Wow. That's really cool. I mean, I feel like that happens for all of us. Um, you're thinking about trying something. I, I've done a lot of stuff on local TV or like live news shows and stuff. And that's what I wanted to do as a career. But did it, you know, the job field was awful when I graduated in 2012. So starting my blog, I was wanting to do on camera stuff and I had some stations reach out to me. So I think I've almost feel like the universe sometimes like comes in and helps when you're starting to think and get the ball rolling. And I feel like the more you start doing something that you want to do, other things start falling into place. So that's really cool. Yeah. And, you know, in our content creation class, um, the last day we had to come up with a, um, find an inspirational quote. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and a quote that I come back to a lot is um, Howard Thurman. And he said, don't ask what the world needs you to do. Find what makes you alive and do that because that's what the world needs is people that are alive. And uh, in this space of comedy, sometimes it's like, is this, is this a thing that matters? Like with everything going on in the world and um, politics and social unrest and all of it, it's like, does comedy even matter? Is this a thing that's important? But it's like, that's the thing that makes me come alive. And, you know, people need to see people that, are awake and alive and, and living, you know, quote unquote, their best life. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I think, and I, I think too, it's like every time I'm about to go on stage, I do get nervous. And I think it's because I'm always afraid that the part of me that comes to life on stage is not going to show up. And then I'm just going to be out there like without that. But mm-hmm. every time like, I come on stage and it's like, you know, this part of me awakens and I'm like, And and I just feel in the zone and, you know, that kind of thing. Well, I think that is a sign that you're doing the right thing because I feel the same exact way when I've done improv or done a live TV segment, Um, the nerves build up. But then the second you are on, you almost, I feel like I almost black out and I don't know what's happening in the moment. And then afterward, it's like this rush and I can't even fall asleep that night because it feels so good. Yeah. Yeah. And I think I, I don't know if you've seen uh, Soul yet, the new Pixar movie. No, I, I'm planning on seeing that. I've heard good things. Yeah, I, I liked it. I, I thought the ending, I wanted more out of the ending, but okay, whatever. But, um, <laughs> you know, he's sort of playing his piano and he's just like fully in the moment and like kind of to this higher place of, you know, consciousness almost because mm-hmm. of his you know playing the piano. And, and I feel like when I'm doing that, I just feel like, I am doing exactly what God created me to do right now. And it feels amazing. I love that is that gives me chills because I think that's another reason I wanted to talk to you too, because taking that class that we just took, you know, it was a four week long kind of shortened class, at least compared to other second city classes I've taken online. But I think connecting with people who have similar goals 
has been one of the best things I've ever done in my life. And it feels so nice. And I don't know. I, I really love hearing like your success stories or feeling like you're doing the right thing. And I love hearing other people from class doing that. So that's just really exciting. And I think a huge part of it is that uh, I am, you know, as far as being paid to do comedy, uh, I have, you know, been paid a handful of times. Okay. Uh, so it's not like I'm, you know, successful in terms of financially. Right. Uh, but, you know, I think, you know, that will come. But at this point, it's the, the fun. It, it's that I get to do this thing that I love doing. And so um, times that I don't have to pay to do that mm-hmm. is where it's like, you know, where I get to do it without uh, having to, you know, drive somewhere far away or, you know, that kind of thing. It's like, wow, this is amazing. I did not have to pay to get to do that. You know, That's so awesome. eventually, yeah, eventually, hopefully it will come back to me. But um, you know, until that happens, I'm I'm happy just getting to do what I love doing. When it seems like I know you've been doing a lot of online shows during the pandemic, right? Yeah. So I feel like keeping your skills sharpened because it, this year has been such this past year has been such a good time to kind of say, oh, you know, not a lot's going on. But I think doing things on Zoom has been really nice, and you can still keep building up your skills and getting opportunities while we're all stuck at home. Yeah, for sure. And I think that it's been so cool just to be able to to meet people that I never would have had the chance to meet before and, you know, get to, you know, I think sometimes we think of networking as doing, you know, like the boss invites people out for drinks afterwards. But I think networking, a lot of it is sort of peer to peer, right, where you're able to connect with people and, uh, you know, and then at some point, you you hear that somebody is looking for somebody to write about a fashion piece and it's like, Oh, you have to talk to my friend, Olivia. Mm-hmm. And you know, you hear somebody's looking for a comedy thing. Oh, you have to talk to Joanna. And you know, yeah. that's really what networking is more so than, you know, um, upper level. It's more peer to peer a lot of times. Well, that's really interesting that you say that because I know before I started recording this, we were talking about the last uh, podcast episode I recorded by myself and I think for so many years, I kind of hid the stuff I was doing on the side, some of my creative endeavors, because I was embarrassed or whatever. And now I've kind of realized, I don't know if it was the turning 30 thing, like you said, um, you know, I live in the Midwest. It's not a, Cincinnati's not a big comedy mecca. It's not New York or LA. And but it's also not Coos Bay, Oregon. <laughs> my my brother-in-law, my future brother-in-law lives in Eugene, Oregon, actually. I was oh, going to tell okay. you that. Um, we were just there for his wedding last year. Oh, nice. Um, what what part of Oregon are you in? So I'm about two hours from Eugene. Okay. So Eugene is like the place where you go when it's you need to go to Target. Oh, go to oh fancy. Okay. Yeah, Eugene's the closest Target. We just got a Starbucks. So that has been <laughs> like the big thing here is that like we have a Starbucks and we have joined the rest of the country in paying too much to have our names mispronounced on our coffee. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. I'm surprised too. That, I mean, Starbucks is based out of Seattle or started there. So that's kind of shocking. You guys just got one. Well, it tells more about our town than it does about Starbucks. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. I, Oregon was beautiful. Um, that was my first and last time there, but it was stunning. First and last? No. Well, yeah, I hopefully not last. I said that incorrectly. That was the <laughs> last time I've was been i been there. But I don't know. Hopefully post-pandemic, I'll make another trip. It's not that hard of a flight, but it was gorgeous. I my fiance has skied out there a bunch, and oh nice. Um, yeah, his brother in law is like an environmental attorney, so I mean that's the perfect place to do something like that. So yeah. Well, next time you come out, let me know. We'll bring out to the coast, and if you think Gene is pretty, you have to see the coast. I know. Um, I I've seen. I've not been to the coast there, but I've seen pictures, and it's like. It's stunning. I can't even believe it's a real place because I'm used to like Florida beaches or East Coast beaches. And um, it just looks gorgeous out there. So I can totally see why people love Oregon. Have you are you from are you born and raised there? No. uh, So I grew up in Sacramento, uh, California. And that's where I met my husband. And uh, he grew up here. And so the joke around Coos County, Oregon is that you kind of have to bring spouses in. Oh, yeah. um, A lot of people here are a little bit related. And so you kind of have to bring in, you know, fresh, (laughs) fresh people into the gene pool into the population. Yes. Yes. So we, uh, we've lived back here for almost 13 years. 
Oh, wow. And then I saw on your what you have three daughters. Yeah, yeah. So that's I mean, that's a big reason why we want to stay here is that we love raising our kids here. So we have a 13, almost 15 and then 16 year old. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, three teenage daughters. That is impressive. So yes. So if you're doing the math, uh, I was got married when I was 19. And then 2022 and 23 when I had the kids. Oh, wow. See, I feel like I feel like it's smart to have your kids young if you're you know, in a married good situation, because now you can like enjoy life and you don't spend your thirties, you know, I don't have any kids yet. So it's one of those things that, um, I mean, everybody has to figure out their own path because it's been amazing for us and I love Mm -hmm. it. And I loved being a young mom and having a lot of energy and that kind of thing. But then I can also see, you know, people that are in their, uh, early to mid thirties having kids. And yes, the energy level is different, but you have the wisdom of age too. And I think you're a lot more confident in who you are and a lot less like sort of swayed by people's opinions. And, you know, I think when I had my kids and I was young and it was like, you know, I met somebody who is not into vaccines and it was like, Oh, should I be not into vaccines or, mm-hmm know, who would some parenting advice and it'd be like, oh, well, I guess, you know, maybe that's how I should be. Whereas I think, you know, a little later, you're a lot more sure of yourself and confident and that kind of a thing. So, you know, I think it goes both ways. It's the right time is the right time for you. Yes, that I, that's well said. I've been trying to think of that lately because so many people around me, I'm from Cincinnati and kind of similar to what you said, a lot of people stay here. And if you aren't from here, my fiance is from St. Louis. Um, you kind of get like treated like an outcast. So everyone around me now is starting to have kids and they're on their second or third kid. And I'm like, we had to postpone our wedding this past year. Like we're already behind. So that's very good advice. But, you know, I just think you <laughs> find what's right for you and and don't worry about it. And, um, you know, I think that that's what I would have told my younger self having kids is to just make your own choices, be confident in them. When you do mess up and and you're doing something not right, be willing to change. But, you know, I think I was kind of swayed by whoever's opinion I had met, you know, most recently. Yes, I totally understand that. So as we were talking about your daughters and your husband, I was thinking, do you practice your stand-up on them? Oh, I I mean, we... I think, um, you know, I, I was just been listening to an audio book of uh, Jim and uh, Jeannie Gaffigan. And like, you know, like Jim Gaffigan, mm-hmm. but you don't realize how intricately involved they are and that Jeannie does a lot of the writing with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think that's really like how my husband and I are, is that we're always bouncing things off of each other and, and joking. And a lot of my standup, I tell stories about, you know, things that the kids have said or done. Um, or, you know, that kind of a thing. And so um, they've always been really chill about me talking about them. Uh, That's good. That's good because, um, you know, I think that, uh, and maybe as they get older, but I don't know, we're kind of, we're kind of in the years that they would care. Um, True. They've always been like, oh yeah, that was totally funny. You really should tell that story or, you know, that kind of a thing as opposed to like, no, don't, don't say that, you know? Yep. So it's kind of a family affair of we're often, you know, laughing at things. And um, a lot of my standup just comes out of our conversations in our life. And, you know, uh, something funny happens and I'm like, oh, let me write that down. One second. No, nobody say anything, you know, and then yeah. I write it down. And then sometimes it sits in my notebook for a couple of years and then I finally come back to it. And it's like, oh, that's where I should put that joke. You know, so it's sort of a process. That's so cool. I was going to ask you about your joke writing process because like I said, stand-up is so foreign to me and I think it's fascinating. How do you have a process or did you study anything or did you just kind of start and get better as time went on? Well, uh, I mean, I hope that I've gotten better as time goes on. Yeah. Um, you know, I've read books and and that kind of thing. I've, I've took um, one like kind of short uh, second city class. Uh, a lot of it is just uh, writing and sort of trying to capture everything that I think is funny. And oftentimes it just sits in my notebook for, you know, days or months or years. And then I finally come back to it. Um, So like the other day, (laughs) this is, um, I don't know, maybe TMI, but it will end (laughs) up in my set at some point. Um, I had some eggnog over Christmas 
And I really like eggnog, but it does not do my body well. Mm -hmm. And so I told my husband that I was still having some lingering constipation (laughs) as a result of the eggnog. Uh, But he did not hear lingering constipation. He heard lingerie competition. Oh, God. (laughs) And um, so that's the kind of thing that like, I write that down. I don't know. I don't know if that's a setup. I don't know yet if that's a punchline. I don't know, you know, kind of where that fits, Mm -hmm. but I just capture it and now it's in my notebook and then it's, you know, kind of floating around in there. And then, um, you know, hopefully some other thing happens that triggers that again, or, you know, it will fit in there. So I I think a big part of it is just everything I try. Sometimes I, you know, forget to write stuff down, but everything that's like, oh, that was so funny, mm-hmm. you know, writing it down and then um, and then taking the time to go back through and reading it and kind of keeping things current. And, um, you know, and then sometimes it will be, I have an idea. I was just having an idea about um, something around conspiracy theories. And so I was watching a bunch of um, like documentaries about conspiracy theories and at the end of it, I was like, okay, there, I have no jokes from this. And uh, it just sort of makes me wish that I didn't have all of that in my search browser now. <laughs> yeah, you got to go incognito for that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, and so sometimes it's like kind of a rabbit hole of like, oh, is there something there? And then, you know, maybe there's not, but then, you know, maybe sometime down the road, I'll think like, oh, conspiracy theory rhymes with Mincerity fury, yeah, and then I'll make a joke about it, you know. Yeah. So do you do you kind of write a mix of like your life experiences and things you observe, or you know, do you have any thing that you reference when you're coming up with your standup, or just whatever you absorb? Well, I mean, um, a lot of it is kind of stories of my life. Um, mm-hmm. Like my husband is three inches shorter than me, and so you know, I talk about him being a hobbit. And, um, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. And then it's sort of a mix of, um, I don't know, maybe a funny story with some jokes and tags. Um, but I don't know if other people have so many awkward things happen to them or if it's just God's gift to me that, um, you know, I have all these things happen. Like, um, the time I accidentally brought cookies to a Weight Watchers meeting (laughs) and, you know, things like that where, um, it's like, why, <laughs> why am I the person that does this? But like, I didn't know it was a Weight Watchers meeting. I had cookies and I was trying to be nice, you know, yeah, and so those course. sorts of things, like, obviously you bring cookies to, <laughs> you know, be kind to people, um, you know, so those sorts of things. And it's like, when they happen, I write them down and then I kind of see, okay, how can I punch this up? Um, I mean, most of it's though, funny enough that I don't, I'm not really having to exaggerate that much, but it's more, that's good. You know, putting in the tags and the jokes afterwards that kind of carry the story and that kind of thing. Has, um, has Dwayne zoom comedy been any different or I know it's different, but is it harder or easier than doing it in person? Um, I mean, I think it's on the one hand, it's harder because you don't have as much of that connection. Mm-hmm. And especially at first you have to kind of get used to the feedback and that it takes like a little bit longer for the, you know, for the uh, laughter to come back. Um, It's been, I've had some fun experiences with it. Uh, We, Oregon just uh, decriminalized heart drugs. So in the last election, yeah. So I had some jokes about it. Um, And while I was telling jokes about Oregon and the war on drugs, um, there was a guy that was there watching the show with his camera on um, lighting up his bong and totally getting high. (laughs) And um, it was so funny to me. And I could not tell if people could see him and were laughing at him, you know, or if they were laughing about my magic mushroom joke. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But it was funny too, because I don't have a lot of experience with drugs and I did not know, like I learned a lot more about drug use that day than I did like during the dare program in elementary (laughs) school. Like I did not know that you had to continually light the bong. And, um, 
So now, you know, it was good for me because I learned a lot more about drug use thanks to Zoom comedy. Oh, that's great. I mean, it's a win-win. You're always learning, even in a pandemic. And uh, then my parents um, were on a show, you know, watching me. Mm-hmm. And it was their very first Zoom experience. And so uh, at one point, uh, I could hear, I think I had already performed and somebody else was performing. And I could hear my dad like, oh, okay, well, I'm going to go to bed. <laughs> and so I'm like texting my mom, like, here's how you use the mute button. You know, here's how you press the red button if you want to leave. You oh, know, my so, God. Um, yeah. So it's, I think it's, it's fun because you do get to connect with a wider audience, but then it's harder too because you, you know, don't get to see them face to face. Yeah. Well, speaking of like connecting with people, are, do you have a lot of people in your town in Oregon who also do comedy or stand up? Um, no. Okay. Well, that's, no. kinda, I mean, that's kind of, it's a double-edged sword, but more, more stand up time for you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, although it's sort of, it's, it's hard. Cause like if, if, uh, the, uh, local theater wants to put together a comedy night, yeah. you know, sometimes it's hard to find other people that want to perform. Um, there's a couple of guys that are kind of interested, um, that will do things occasionally, but there's not like a cohort of people that I can really, you know, like let's do a writing night or Mm -hmm. let's collaborate or, you know, that kind of thing. I will say um, one guy though, is that um, we've done some, a couple shows together and he's um, you know, so there is, there is some, but for the most part, it's, you know, me kind of trying to figure out um, how to, how to make it happen. Yeah, I, that's impressive. I, I know here, um, I started taking writing classes this year at Second City and uh, all online, obviously. And that's been really nice because I've done improv and acting stuff in Cincinnati. But um, I think there are certain things online where it, it's nice to build that community because you're kind of isolated. And I don't know, I just haven't felt comfortable doing. We've still had in-person classes here over the summer when you can be outside, but I just haven't felt comfortable doing them. So having the second city stuff has been really nice to connect with people, even though it's virtually, I still feel like I've become friends with everyone that I've met through this. Oh yeah, for sure. And I think it's like, especially with so much of our lives being digital and being able to follow people on, you know, social media and that kind of thing where you can really kind of connect with people and stay up to date with them. And, and I met somebody doing a, just a show and ended up following her on Instagram and, you know, we've become friends and now we're getting together once a week to just do writing and collaborate together. And, um, Hey, this is what I'm working on. What do you think? And kind of giving each other feedback. And so it's been just really cool and exciting to get to do that. That's awesome. I've actually been like, yeah, wanting to figure out how to build those relationships because that class that we just took for content creation, it was so good for accountability. I feel yeah. like I need accountability because that is my biggest downfall is having all these ideas and not executing on them. So do you have any tips for networking? I feel like I get intimidated by this part sometimes, um, reaching out to people and making those connections. So what have you Which done? And I think that's a little bit... Um surprising to hear because real estate is all about networking I know. and people and like, like even in real estate, like you have a client and you say, well, let me know if you know anybody else that wants to buy or sell. And it's like, you're asking people to send you new friends. And like, you know, that's in our, you know, in, in the business world, we do that. But then in our personal lives, it's a little bit more, uh, you know, or in our creative life, it's a little more intimidating to say, Hey, you know, do you want to be creative friends together? Oh, I know. Um, it, it's exactly that. But I mean, I think a lot of it, just kind of letting it happen kind of organically as far as, um, you know, I've met a lot of people doing comedy over Zoom and there's only a couple that I've really, you know, kind of connected with. And mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be a wide group of people. It's just a few people that you're kind of can get close with. And I mean, I think it's the same way that you make any kind of friend of, okay, we have a shared interest, but then do we also have a similar, you know, kind of work ethic or a similar philosophy or, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, And with my friend that I get together once a week with our, our comedy style is pretty different, but I think that that actually works really well together because, um, you know, if we were both kind of writing jokes about our kids, like there might be a little bit of more of a competitive feel. Mm -hmm. But since she's, you know, in a different life stage and that kind of thing, it's totally, you know, we work well together because 
were writing different, you know, on different topics and that kind of thing. Yeah, that's really interesting. I I like that you said that because what, you know, starting to get into this world now, um, you know, it can, fe- you, you worry that it could be competitive because the blogging world or the influencer world now, as we call it, that it's super competitive. And it's like, I feel like everyone can be a frenemy sometimes, you know, you have your solid group of friends, but then you have people who, you know, everyone's competing. And I feel like so far within comedy, I haven't seen that. And again, I haven't been in the big cities doing this stuff, but um, that is nice. It feels a lot more supportive, which I was worried it wouldn't be. And it might, maybe it is that way. I just haven't experienced that yet, which is good. Yeah. And what I've found is that, um, I mean, I'm doing a competition coming up in January, or I guess we are in January now. So in a couple of weeks, uh, and I mean, that is obviously competitive. So they're, I'm not going to be trying to, you know, make friends with people beforehand and like, Hey, you want to write or something. Um, but I really have found that for the most part, people are really just kind and like willing to be helpful and that kind of thing. And maybe it's just the groups that I've found, or, um, I mean, maybe that's what I, you know, hopefully that's who I am. And so that's what I get back. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I remember I was doing a, um, show in, uh, Sonoma County. It was an open mic. I was there visiting family and I was, um, like, Hey, you know, there's an open mic here. Do you guys want to come watch me? So I went and performed, uh, and there was a guy there who's, um, successful, uh, does comedy full time. Uh, and he, was there, I think, visiting family as well and was just trying out some new jokes. And so, you know, I met him and um, he had been on dry bar. And so he was like kind of telling me how that works and, you know, giving me some contact info. And it was just like really generous. And, you know, I think the people that are successful in comedy kind of know how hard it is to become successful. And so they're willing to kind of help people and to, um, you know, teach people the ropes and that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I'm sure that there is like in anything backstabbing and people stealing jokes and that right. kind of thing. I mean, I feel like for the most part, my jokes are pretty personal to me. And so, you know, I mean, my routine about my husband being shorter than me, like if you saw my husband, you would know, oh yeah, she was true. <laughs> that was accurate. Uh, you yeah. know, and so I'm not really concerned about somebody like, stealing my jokes and talking about their husband being a hobbit as well. Right. You know? <laughs> right. I mean, maybe, maybe there's a whole group of <laughs> hobbits out there that should all become friends, but you know, yeah. so <laughs> they I don't can know. Come your show and while you talk about your husband, there you go. <laughs> yeah. We can have a hobbit reunion. I think that I, I like your, I think you made a lot of good points too, because we all have unique perspectives. Um, and I think that's, what's so nice about comedy like in our class, I wrote about being an influencer, making fun of that culture. And someone else might not have that experience because they don't know anything about that world. They just see people on Instagram and, you know, think, oh, wow, they're really full of themselves. So I think that's what's so great about comedy. You can create stuff that you've experienced and that certain people will relate to. And there's, I don't know, there's something nice about being able to make people laugh based on your life experiences and observations. And I think comedy is a nice way to, to maybe like air out your frustrations or if you have a problem with something or think something is like, you know, not run how it should be or people are misbehaving. I think comedy is a nice way of kind of poking fun at that or bringing awareness to it without, you know, being overly serious. And like one of the things I think is great is that um, I have not known a lot about the influencer world um, (laughs) as, you know, surprising as that would be with my hundred Instagram followers. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, well, I'll probably have like 102 after this, uh, you know, after this. uh, We'll promote promote this a lot. We'll put, we'll do a paid ad on Instagram. (laughs) I don't even know what that means. Uh, (laughs) It's good. You don't want to fall in the dark hole of that. You're good. Okay, good. Um, so it's like, but I can still appreciate your perspective and your humor around influencers, even though I'm don't have personal experience with it. Like, I really enjoyed hearing your jokes and your, you know, um, humor around it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's something that's been really a fun way to learn about different people and different cultures where, um, 
I don't have to have that same shared life experience. But when somebody's, you know, laughing about their, you know, cultural idiosyncrasies, I can still appreciate that and kind of learn and understand better and that kind of thing. And through humor, um, you know, it's a great way to do that. Yeah, I totally agree. So kind of switching topics a little bit, but kind of still in line with some things. So have any has anyone in your life ever been like judgmental or weirded out? Like, did you just one day when you decided to pursue comedy again or stand up, did you start telling people? Did you kind of get your feet wet a little bit and then start telling people? Or what was that process like? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, especially having that experience when I was 13, where it like totally heckled and like, you know, I was like, I'm never doing this again. Um, I think it's something that, you know, it's sort of this thing that you don't want to be so to the, you know, holding your cards to your chest so much that you never put it out there. You never let it go. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it's like, not everybody has to know the whole, you know, not everybody needs to know the whole picture. Right. And I think that, um, you know, just thinking like, I don't know if you're familiar with like the biblical story of Joseph. He has this dream that um, his mom and his dad and his brothers are all going to bow down to him. Uh, And he tells them, and they do not respond well to this. Um, and then they sell him into slavery and his life takes this whole different turn. And I think it's like some of those dreams that you have, you kind of need to let them percolate a little bit in your own heart and in your own life before you just start spreading them out to, you know, the whole world, especially kind of before they're ready and before you've, you know, done anything with them. Um, and so, I mean, I don't know. The Bible story, Joseph guy, like things kind of worked out for him. Uh, but I think we kind of do that sometimes too, of where it's like you have this big dream and you know, you want to, you're excited about it. And so you want to tell people about it. And it's like not ready for the whole world to know about yet. Yeah. And so I think that, you know, like what you've talked about on your podcast of kind of holding it back and letting it simmer for a while. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe some of that was fear-based, yes. but I think it was also in wisdom too, because, you know, when you have this little germ of an idea, you don't have to, you know, sometimes people like the really close people can know about it. Mm-hmm. But then it's like, okay, let it grow a little bit. Right. And, you know, if you're thinking it's going to be a redwood tree at some point, well, let it become like at least a little sapling or something that can withstand because sometimes, you know, those dreams when they're just those small seeds, they can't withstand people being harsh and mean about them. Right. Exactly. The more they grow and the more you're sort of comfortable in it and that you're able to handle it yourself. Then when somebody's like, Oh, you know, that's, that's weird. That's, you know, whatever. Right. It's like, okay, I'm, I mean, I've been doing this for five years. Like, right. Okay. I mean, (laughs) You know, at some point you really stop caring. Exactly. Um, But I think especially when it's early, Mm -hmm. you're not able sort of emotionally to handle the weight of this thing that you want to do, plus the weight of people's, you know, expectations or opinions or whatever about it. Right. Um, You know, and I remember, I don't, uh, I don't know who said it, but um, the, the quote of don't take it criticism from people from whom you wouldn't take advice. Yes. So, you know, it's like the people that are going to be the naysayers, you know, and I have friends that don't get my comedy or that, you know, hear my jokes and roll my eye, their eyes or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't roll my eyes because that would be painful. <laughs> um, and it's like, we're totally still friends and it's not like we can't, yeah. you know, hang out or that kind of thing. But it's just like, they're not the people that I go to with my jokes. And that, you know, hey, I'm thinking about this thing. What do you think? You know, they're not my sounding board because that's not their jam. And that's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have, you know, everybody in my life applauding me or, you know, telling me that they think it's great or, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. So. That's really well said. That's interesting. And I think as you get older too, you start to care less and less. Um, I know yes. my whole life I've always cared too much what people think about me. I almost let it dictate a lot of my life decisions or I used to. So I think slowly entering this comedy world where I'm doing more of that stuff and revealing it to people um, 
it's scary, but it feels a little bit exciting too. And it's like, okay, I don't have to, whether it's subconsciously or consciously hide this part anymore. And it's just nice. I think that comes with age, but it does feel good. Yeah. Cause I mean, now it's like, there's, um, I don't know when people who, if I meet somebody and they don't know that that's kind of part of my thing. And, um, you know, at some point it sort of comes out that, Oh, I'm doing the show here, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, now I just have much less of a feeling of like, Oh, what are, what are they going to think? You know, what, what's going to be their response? Right. Sort of, you know, and I think it's funny. It's like so many people have way weirder, like, hobbies than this. And it's like, you know, they're, um, I mean, no offense to, you know, things that are sort of, you know, like D and D or, um, magic (laughs) gathering or that kind of thing. Um, which I have played magic gathering and, uh, (laughs) you know, I support wizards of the coast, but, um, you know, just these different things that like are a lot less mainstream, Mm -hmm. Uh, but yet we're somehow like worried about like, oh, I'm going to tell jokes on a stage. You know, what are people going to think of me? Right. I, I think so a little bit about my backstory without going into too much depth. But um, I was just talking to my mom about this today, actually. So I've always been very introverted my whole life. And when I was younger, I was painfully shy. And I've just always, I'm more quiet and I like to observe, which I think a lot of people in comedy are more that way because you kind of write and create what you observe and what you see. But um, people were so weird when I started my blog eight years ago that they acted like it was something you couldn't even say out loud. Like they were so weirded out. And I think it was because. It's so weird. It's like, so why, weird. And I, why, why do people even care? I know. Well, that's the thing. Like, and I said on my last episode, like it, it wasn't affecting anybody. But I think, um, again, being from Cincinnati, like it's not a small town by any means, but, you know, people are kind of set in their ways. And they kind of know you from how you were when you were little. So it's almost like you get put in this box from when you were age like seven and it never changes. So because I was always that more quiet, reserved girl, but kind of got more outgoing as I got older, it was almost like they didn't want to get that I was doing it. So that's what's really interesting. It's like, you know, there's far weirder things out there that people are doing than having a blog or doing comedy. But um I don't know. It's just, it's a weird thing to get over when people won't acknowledge what you're doing or at least pretend to say, Oh, that's cool or whatever. It's like, Oh, she's so weird, but like, really she's so quiet and shy. Like why is someone like her doing something like that? It just doesn't make sense. And I've gotten better about not caring, but it's really interesting because I think a lot of people in more creative fields or entertainment fields are kind of have similar backgrounds. I don't know, at least from my experience. Yeah, it does seem like a lot of people in the comedy world are introverted. Uh, I am full blown extrovert, like though I completely get my energy from being around other people. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, so I'm maybe one of the outliers in it. But I just I think it's like I mean, some of it though is the people that can't handle it don't need to handle it. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it's like I mean the people that are like you know super close to you and your family and your like you know longtime friends, hopefully either they get it or they get it enough to know that it's important to you. Yeah. But then, you know, the other people, they don't, you know, they don't need to have a voice in your life about it. You know, you just kind of let it (laughs) go and brush it off. And uh, I, one of my favorite comedy quotes is from Lucille Ball. And she said, what I'm not, or uh, I'm not funny. What I am is brave. And I think that that's a huge part of comedy is just willing to, uh, because I mean, the funny thing, the thing about being funny is that some of it's in the eye of the beholder because, you know, there's a lot of comedians and funny, you know, comedy movies and that kind of thing that I don't get that aren't my jam or I don't think are funny. Um, but that doesn't make them not funny because I don't think they're funny. Right. So it's like, you don't have to worry so much about being funny i mean some of it's just being brave and being willing to put yourself out there and um you know try something and see what happens and you know maybe you do it and you're like okay that's either this is not the right audience for that joke or this is not the right joke or and yeah. you know i should never tell this joke again you know, but then it's like just being brave and willing to kind of put it out there and see what happens. And, 
you know, I've done things, shows and things where it's like, um, I, I did this show once for a group of people who were, it was like a group of uh, preschool teachers and they had been in a conference all afternoon and then they got, and if they tried to leave the conference, even like to go to the bath, like go to the bathroom for a break or something, they were told you have to stay in there. Cause if you don't stay in there, you don't get your credit for attending the class. So they had been in there for like four hours and then they come out and they have dinner and I'm supposed to do like a 20 minute comedy set while they're eating, which like firstly doing comedy while people are eating is kind of hard anyway, because you know, there's clinking and there's people, you know, passing dishes around and, you know, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also it was a buffet. So you could like get up and go back through again. Um, and then also these people were in a four hour meeting and like they finally got out and they're trying to just sit with their friends and talk to each other and like debrief and that kind of thing. And I'm up here doing jokes, you know. Um, and so it was one where it was like, okay, this is not going well. And, I, but they, it was a paid gig. I got paid before I went up. So that's comedy, you know, lesson number one. Um, <laughs> no, no, and then, no. and then it's like, I, I, I didn't take a lot of like, oh man, that wasn't the right joke or, oh, I shouldn't do that one again. Or, you know, that kind of thing. Some of it, it was just like, they probably shouldn't have had a comedian up there. Like they probably the people that were in charge of it maybe should have given people a break first or, you know, that kind of a thing. Yeah. So um, sometimes it's just, you know, the wrong venue or, you know, that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. So um, I try to, you know, and then sometimes it's just a bad joke and I shouldn't tell it, uh, <laughs> you know, but then sometimes it's like, Oh, that's a bad joke. But I love that joke so much that I just have to keep telling it. Yeah. When it, it might hit with the right audience, like you said. Yeah. Um, so speaking of trying new things and putting yourself out there, do you career wise, like, do you just want to focus on stand up? or I know you said you've done hosting gigs. Do you have like, would you ever try something else out or do you have goals of like acting or sketch comedy? Well, um, you know, I think if I could do anything, I really enjoy hosting mm-hmm. and which is sort of, um, I think viewed as being a lesser thing than comedy like if you're hosting an event usually it's like you're the comedian that's sort of trying to make it um interesting I've never thought about it that way maybe that's my perspective you know but um uh I I really like we have some a variety show that's a couple times a year here in town that I host and it's singers and dancers and um a comedy team and um I love doing it partially because there's an improv aspect to it of like Sometimes, you know, something goes wrong and I have to go out there and sort of um, come up with some material while we're fixing a mic or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what's really fun about it, too, is that I'm not the show. Like I get to elevate and highlight the people that are performing, but it's not people aren't coming for me. Like they're coming to see their friend sing or their kid dance or whatever. And so like it's also a lot less pressure. But then I also just really enjoy getting to, um, you know, hopefully elevate them and get to like, hey, you're going to love this next person. And here's a fun joke and, you know, that kind of a thing. Um, So I don't know if like professional host is a thing, you know, where um, that's, you know, I've not known anybody that's like, oh, man, when I if I really make it, I would love hosting. Yeah. you know, but I mean, I think a game show host would be super fun. Yes. Um, I think I would enjoy even like doing the, um, I think it's like uh, Carson Daly is, is doing the voice and he's the host and mm-hmm. or Tyra Banks, you know, that kind of thing where you're not the, you know, you kind of are the one that's keeping everything rolling and, and, you know, um, announcing and that kind of thing. And I don't know. So that's something that I really enjoy. So I don't know. We'll we'll see where things go. I think um, I don't have a lot of acting experience. Every part I've ever played has a number associated with it. Uh, <laughs> so, I was um, horse part number three for the Oklahoma play in the fourth grade. So there were three of us that were the horse, and I was the last one. So so were you the were you the? Yeah, I was. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> the rear. Yes. 
Um, so, you know, I think I, I enjoy it, but I think I enjoy something with more of an improv Mm -hmm. level, you know, portion part of it as well, where it's a little less scripted and a little more kind of reading the room and reading the scene and that kind of thing. So, yeah. Well, I could, I could totally see you doing that. I I've always thought hosting was really impressive. Um, you know, I, I have a journalism degree, so I've always wanted to try to dabble in that, but yeah, I mean, I think, I don't know. It's impressive. And I think it's good to try things out. And there's a lot of comedians who do do hosting. And I know you said in our class that um, you get told you are similar to Ellen DeGeneres a lot. Yes. Since the seventh grade, (laughs) people have been telling me that I remind them of Ellen. That's hysterical. Um, So, yeah, I mean, and when it started, it was like, um, you know, it was the late nineties and she had just come out. Mm -hmm. And so it was maybe a different environment around that. But, um, I still, you know, and it's so funny because every time people tell me that, they always think that they're the first one. Yeah. They're like, hey, has anybody ever told you that you remind them of Ellen? And I'm like, <laughs> yes, they have. Um, you know, and then one time somebody was like, hey, has anybody ever told you that you remind them of that one person? Oh, what's her name? What's her name? And I was like, you know, kind of messing with him. And I was like, uh, Tyra Banks <laughs> and who, I don't think they knew who that was. And they were like, yeah, yeah. You remind me so much of her. Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, Hey, I'll take it. Yeah. I will take that. I mean, Ellen's had a, had a rough 2020. So maybe hosting wise, maybe that could be your next gig. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> Although I think, um, was it, uh, I think Garth Brooks was guest host for her and did very well. So he might be in line in front of me for that. Interesting. I cannot see Garth as a host, but I mean, anything's possible. Anything is, <laughs> yeah, that's what we learned in 2020 is that anything's possible. Well, this has been so awesome chatting with you. And I, like, is there any advice you would give to people who want to get started in stand up or thinking of trying it out, but maybe too nervous? Well, I mean, and you know, it's like, I think it's, I'm, I'm maybe not a uh, person to give advice as far as being successful in comedy, as far as like, here's how you be successful, um, you know, financially or that kind of thing. Um, but from a perspective of just being willing to try something and see what happens. Um, I mean, I think that that's, that's a big part of it and, and not even with comedy, just anything that's a passion, I think that it's so easy to sort of find all of the excuses and especially maybe you had some kind of trauma around it where you tried it and somebody was mean to you or, you know, your family doesn't support it or, you know, kind of whatever, uh, you know, just finding a way to do it and to jump in and not worry about, you know, people not liking it or that kind of thing. Cause I think that's the big thing is that I hope that my comedy is welcoming to people and sort of in some way helps them, you know, with a new perspective or, you know, that kind of thing. But a lot of it is like, I'm doing it for me. Mm-hmm. And so I'm not having to worry so much about like, Oh, what if, what if this joke doesn't land? Um, Cause it's like, well, I think that joke is funny. So I'm going to tell it and not being so concerned with, you know, are other people going to, you know, like it or that kind of thing. Now, like you have to read the room and like, no, you know, this joke maybe doesn't work. Uh, you know, but sometimes like I told a joke once about, um, I was like, I'm really happy to be here tonight. Uh, I was supposed to do a show for a group of taxidermists, <laughs> but then I got the call to do this show tonight. So I told those taxidermists to stuff it. <laughs> and like, I like that joke. Yeah. I said it. And, you know, the audience was sort of like, oh, okay. But then um, afterwards, somebody comes up to me and was like, I'm an amateur taxidermist. And I love that joke. And I'm like, I don't even know what an amateur taxidermist means. Like, (laughs) does that mean you're like stuffing roadkill? Like, I don't don't know what that looks like. But, um, you know, it was one where it was like, that's a joke I like. So I told it. And the audience, you know, kind of take it or leave it. But then for that one guy, he was like, man, I was at a show and they told a taxidermist joke and it was amazing. That's you know, awesome. So- oh, I love that. I, yeah, I, I think that's so impressive. I mean, I have friends who have dabbled in stand up um, 
And I feel like I want to try it at some point, just do like a show here, like at a bar or something. But I think that's incredible advice. And I think what you've done thus far is very impressive. And I, everyone loves you. I know everyone in our class loved you. And um, I definitely foresee very big things happening for you. Now, I know you are a fashion blogger. Yes. Um, and I do have some merch. And so I feel like I need to send you some of my merch because yeah. I have a face t-shirt that um, I think that definitely would need to be worn on the fashion blog. I will happily wear your merch. Now, is it going to be you wearing it or is it going to be uh, Chastity wearing it? Um, I mean, we can both wear it. She'll definitely, I, I could probably get her to strike a deal and do it for free. Oh, wow. I know. Oh, you've got some connections. I know. Wow. I mean, she's trying to put herself more out there this year. And she's Chastity's taking risks. She's taking things to new heights. And I think I could convince her. Hashtag 2021 vision. I know. Although, <laughs> it doesn't work quite well, does it? I know. It's, I, it doesn't feel like 2021, but I'm excited. And I, yeah, I, I need to get myself out there more this year, too. That's like. Yeah, so, what are some of your 2021 goals in terms of creating? Um, so, I need to. I, I made an Instagram account. So, for those who may not know, I started a parody character of an influencer. Her name is Chastity. And I made an Instagram account. And I would love to start creating content regularly for that character. Um, that's probably my big goal is to make maybe more comedic things. I've been doing a lot of writing and I would love to create some sketches, but with the pandemic, I don't know how to make that happen. Right. So I don't know. I would love to just start bringing more of my ideas to life because I've been sitting on them and I'm ready to kind of bring it into the world now. But I think just being more consistent and putting myself out there um, and continuing to network with people. And I'm planning on taking some more Second City classes. I, I love those classes. I think the structure is great. I've loved all my instructor instructors. Um, so I think just really trying to delve more into that world because I would love to make this more of a career. And yeah. I think one of the big takeaways from the content creation class was just that things don't have to be perfect mm -hmm. before you put them out there. Yes. Some of it is just the process of creating and, and publishing mm -hmm. in whatever capacity that means. And so I've um, sort of challenged myself to post a joke every once a week. And, um, you know, it's funny because it's just jokes that I kind of one liners that um, it's like I don't want to post jokes that I do in my routine mm -hmm. because those are, you know, sort of built into routine and kind of they have something before and after them that ties them together and that kind of thing. And so it's just sort of, you know, um, one liners or that kind of thing. And so I've um, I guess it's been for the last several months, like every Monday I post a joke and it's like sometimes they get like two likes, mm -hmm. and, you know, just nothing. And then sometimes, you know, they get, I don't know, tw 20 or 30 likes, which, you know, is a lot for yeah. somebody with influence, you know, a hundred followers. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, but, it, but it's really not about that. It's not about like, oh, I'm really trying to get likes or I'm trying to get um, followers or that kind of thing. It's like, I am trying to discipline myself that once a week, I'm going to, have something ready to go and put it out there. Uh, and hopefully it's good, but sometimes it matters less how good it is. And just that I'm consistently doing it and I have that deadline and I'm, you know, forcing myself to do it. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, and I don't want it to be, well, I, especially, I don't want it to be something bad that I'm going to re regret saying later, right? obviously. But then I also, you know, I'm not super worried about it if it goes viral or, you know, whatever, which are we still saying viral after the pandemic? I feel like we need a new word. That's very, I, that's very well said, Joanne. I didn't even think about that. I'm ha I've never gone viral. So, and I, yeah, it's kind of a weird word. So I think it's time for a new one for sure. Yeah. Cause in 2019, <laughs> we were supposed to be around positive people. And in 2020, we were supposed to be around negative people. <laughs> yeah. So maybe, to, you know, <laughs> I don't know what 2021 is. I know that's, oh my gosh, I'm, I'm excited. It's a new year. I'm hoping, I, I don't expect it to be too much different, but I'm hopeful that it'll start to slowly get better. Well, and some of it's, you know, uh, I mean, obviously global pandemic, a lot was outside of our control, but a lot this year, you know, in 2020 was 
uh, how we re- reacted to it and how we responded to it. Yes. So whatever comes, hopefully we'll uh, be able to have a positive spin on it and bring some humor into the world through it. Amen. I love that. So Joanna, thank you so much for coming on. Where can people follow you and watch your comedy or watch your standup that you do? Uh, let's see. So um, on Instagram at Joanna J. Goslin, and that's where I post a, a joke every week. There's a link to my website there where I have some, um, if you, you can get to my website through there and I have some uh, comedy clips. Uh, and then I'm going to be a part of the Uncle Clyde's comedy competition through Flappers. And that is on January 20th. That's a Wednesday at seven o'clock. And I have a link to that on my site as well. Awesome. Thank you so much, Joanna. I really appreciate it. Everyone follow her. She's a great person and personality and you will not be disappointed. Thanks, Olivia. Thanks, Joanna. Thanks, Joanna.